All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to Bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the Colorful Chemistry Kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess. So it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you. So you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com. Promo code COUPLE. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Today, we sit down with an awesome couple who has so much wisdom given their entire journey through their relationship. And my favorite topic, we talk about conflict a lot. Yes. So I was introduced to the Paclutas uh, through talking with one of my friends about their favorite pastors. I had never heard of Harris Creek Church or Jonathan Pacluta or JP as he's called. But when I first checked out his most recent sermons, they were doing a series on conflict. And mm -hmm. I listened through the whole thing multiple times because I thought it was so valuable. And so I reached out to JP and asked if he and Monica would be willing to come on our show and talk about conflict and how it relates to romantic relationships or marriage. And so I thought that this was a super, super valuable conversation. I'm honored to meet them. I'm so glad they took the time to talk to us. And if you want to listen to JP's full series on conflict, we will link that information in the show notes down below. And if you want to find out more about Jonathan or his wife, Monica, we'll include their information down there as well. If you haven't subscribed to the show or given it a rating, please do so on whatever platform you're listening to. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this one with Jonathan and Monica Pacluda. Jonathan, Monica, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, thank you for taking the time to join us. I know this has been an eventful couple of weeks for you uh, both. Jonathan, you recovering from... COVID and you both missing the anniversary trip. Um, it's an honor to meet you. My goal with this podcast is to really talk as little as I can and let you share your abundant wisdom on conflict resolution mainly, because I think in marriage and relationships in general, 
that's a huge missing piece that people don't put enough time or effort into thinking about. So that being said, uh, I would love to hear first, you talk about how you both met. I know you've been married 16 years, give or take. Well, thank you guys for having us on. So just funny story at the gate is, uh, you know, I, I kind of am on Instagram a lot. She's on social media, much less, but she came, I guess, probably six months ago. And was like, look at this couple. Like I follow this couple. Oh, they're so cute. And Sean Johnson and he, and, uh, and so I was like, Oh, that's great. And so every now and then she'd run over and show me something. Oh, baby girl. And then you, uh, and then you messaged me and I was like, Oh, she's going to flip. This is going to be fun. So Yay. thank you guys for having us on you're really fun i love what you're doing you're bringing hope and joy to people and just and just being helpful so that's that's a that's a really fun thing a, a great attribute i love the way that you share your life with people so thanks for having us on yeah thank you and thank you so for we, what you guys um, do i think it's really really important what you guys talk about yeah well it's it's uh it's a gift to us and so we met she was my uh best friend's sister and so uh we were both pagans in the world and and so uh, <laughs> I'm a pastor now. I work for a church, but I had this really weird, unconventional turn into that. And so uh, I was at a party and with my my closest friend in college. And uh, I said, I was kind of giving him a hard time. I was like, oh, this is fun. The, the mowers are here. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, are we under alien attack here? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh. Okay, so tell me if we can. Okay, they walked by. So okay, we're back in it. <laughs> so her brother was my closest friend, and I was like giving him a hard time. I was like, "Hey, you should invite your sister over." Just like being a dumb guys, you know. And uh, and so he did. I have no idea why. And when she came in, that I was just like, "Oh my goodness, that's your sister." And uh, and so from that moment on, I had one mission in life was to try to get Monica Rubin to pay me any attention so um i was i'm six seven kind of weird tall and and she's five three and so that was what oh we can we can relate on that i feel like we're we're about the same height difference i'm four eleven and he's six three six two six two yeah that's i mean their height difference is way more than ours so yeah that was a hang-up early on but in the, in the best friend, if he knew me, because honestly, like I was, a, I was not a good guy. You know, I, I, I mean, I found so much identity in girls, and and he and I had gotten in all kinds of trouble together. And so, um, when I was like, "Hey, I like your sister," he was just like, "No way, man. That's mm-hmm. that's not. I mean, that's not what he said. He used to spew a few uh, expletives, but um, <laughs> and so I just wouldn't. Just kept going and. Well, and neither one of us, like you said, were believers at the time. And and we were both in other relationships, but um, we, my brother's friend group and my friend group would get together and hang out all the time. So we would be around each other. We would kind of be flirtatious, but, um, and then kind of a crazy turn of events. He ended up, my brother and I both moved out right after high school. And then we moved back home like halfway through college because we, so we grew up in Waco, went to Baylor and um he ended up moving in with my family um for a few months and this guy did <laughs> so my lease was up in my duplex and my best friend was like hey you can come stay with us and so i did and uh, <laughs> i mean that's where it went from like this worldly like crush to okay i'm seeing her interact with her family like this is a good girl 
like I, I really want to, you know, pursue her. And, um, and then what was happening in my world from a spiritual standpoint is I was at a club 19 years ago and someone invited me to a church and I sat in the back row, hung over, smelled like smoke from the night before and, uh, and began to wrestle with, all right, what do I really believe about God? And uh, cause I always said I was a Christian, but like, what do I really believe about God? Cause I've always just done what I wanted to do. And so that kind of brought us to have this conversation like, Hey, what do you believe about God? And she was like, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he raised from the dead. And I was like, that's what I believe. Let's start there. Cause up until then we had just fought about it. It was just like these manic highs, manic lows, you know, we're going to be this, we're going to be this. No, we're not. And at that point it was just like, we had this foundation let's build on there. And really that's kind of where everything began to, to change. And, and we started dating in a healthy way, which I had never done in my life. And really four months later, four to six months later, I had proposed because I was just like, man, we got to get this show on the road. Let's, let's get I love that. Monica, I'd love for you to talk. Uh, Jonathan's been, I think relatively open with some, with the evolution of his life and how he's, you know, his come to faith was really a walk away from a lot of things like alcohol. And I think you had some big time job. What was that like to, to be his partner through some of that, or at least through the transition? Yeah, I think, I mean, like he said, we both became believers around the same time. So we kind of lived like the party life together. And then um, he graduated college two years before I did. And so, and then he moved to Dallas. And so we would go back and forth and did long distance relationship. And um, it's when he had gone to a church in Dallas, um, you know, just um, surrendered his life to the gospel and I would go with him and heard the gospel for the very first time there. And so just wrecked my life. Um, and then that's when we both started just really running hard after the Lord and pursuing him. So it was just a transition together. So it's like, I, um, maybe not quite to the extent, um, of him, but was kind of, you know, the same, um, in the world, worldly life. And then, um, just had a radical transformation. And so um, I think just in all throughout our relationship um, with that, God's kindness in realizing the forgiveness that I had received. And so just being able to extend that to him, whether it was with porn or um, through job transition um, and all that. I think in that we were you know, I think there was some naivety, which was really good, but then also just faith of like, okay, I trust that the Lord is going to do what he says he's going to do. And he's faithful no matter what. And so she married a sales guy. I mean, I was in, I was in, a, I worked for a corporate 12 company at the penthouse condo in uptown Dallas, drove the Jaguar and wanted to be a millionaire before I was 30. And then one day, you know, into this journey. I'm like, Hey, I think, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor mm-hmm. and, and she was pregnant. And so we were going dual income, no kids to single pastor income child in the way. And, um, you know, to her tremendous credit and faith, she was just like, yeah, I mean, God's going to sort that out. I mean, he's going to wow. work out and he did. That's, yeah. that's the message I would have for people just as you hope in him, like he's always sorted out the details and, and taking care of us. So, mm-hmm. um, I kind of want to go back. You said something, Jonathan. You said it was the first time you had dated in a healthy way. I think there's 
something really powerful behind that that I think a lot of our listeners should hear. What? How would you define that? And what's the difference between dating in a healthy way versus not? Yeah, I, I just think today we are after the the drama. Like we're addicted to drama. Like we we love reality TV. We love The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. Like we're watching this. The manic highs, the manic lows. It's entertaining. And I heard somebody say once, you know, you want a boring marriage, and I and I don't want a boring anything. The way that God wired me, I'm like, I'm I don't want boring. But what they meant by that is just that you don't want a a marriage that would make a good reality show in that you're throwing stuff against the wall and you're calling each other names and, and it's, it's the man like that resonated with me. Right. And, and so when I think because we had that, yeah, like that's, we that's totally what we had. had that and knew that life was not found. We would hold each know? other hostage to, you know, to the relationship. Hey, you do that. It's over, you know, and it, all we knew how to do well was, was fight and make love <laughs> really. And, and that's the other thing is just like all of the physical stuff. I mean, that's what a relationship was to me. It was, it was a search for pleasure and a search for entertainment and a search for fulfillment. And so we were in our premarital counseling and God has done a work in our life at this point. And the pastor says, Hey, you guys need to stop pursuing each other and start pursuing Christ together. And I'm just like, roll my eyes. I'm like, Oh, that's sweet, buddy. Kind of pat him on it. Like, thank you, man. Did you learn that in seminary? Like that's really the, the, what my heart is saying, but it was a kind of a prophetic idea because as you roll the tape forward, that's what we did is we stopped pursuing each other and missing each other and, and trying to take from each other. And we just said, Hey, let's walk down this path together. We continue to grow closer and closer and closer and closer. And, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm thankful for that word. I, I repeat that often. And so I think dating in a healthy way, it was hard, right? Cause we stripped out the physical stuff. Like we had been physical, we had been intimate and, and then we got to this place where we start reading the scriptures and we're like, okay, I don't think this is God's best for us. We, we pull that stuff out, pull the parking brake on that. And then I'm like, okay, this is really challenging, but it allowed us to go deeper and actually build an act, a relationship that wasn't mm-hmm. based on selfishness. Because that's what I think mm-hmm. so many people do is, is they like someone because of how they make me feel. Like you, I, I do a lot of, we do weddings and people will say, I'll say, hey, why do you like them? And then they'll say, well, I like them for the way they make me feel. And I'm like, well, what when they what happens when they don't make you feel that way anyways anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do then? And so I, I think it's paramount that we learn selfless love. Like we learn how to love each other selflessly so that when when the attraction fades or health fades or life throws something really challenging at us, like a layoff or or, or a child with some disabilities or, or all of these things that we have no idea what they are. Like, how are we going to continue to partner in life then? Mm. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles 
for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. I'm, I have a question. I'm really curious your opinion. We've had conversations before with other couples where they have talked about this confusing transitional time for, or they, we've had, we've had conversations with people who are still in it. And we've had conversations with people who have tried to find their way out of it. But this concept that people look for love in the physical way. They can only feel loved. They can only feel worthy through intimate relationships and physical relationships. And they don't know how to feel love outside of it. Is that how, like, how does someone get out of that? Yeah. You know, I I do this thing on Fridays called, uh, Friday Q and A and I get like a dozen questions on soul ties and that's a really popular term right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I, th- I think we moved to such a selfish place in love that all we know when we think about love, we just continue to think through the pleasure and what it does for me. And that's the worst kind of love. In fact, it's a counterfeit love. I don't even think it's love. If you, if you just, even if you think about the act of sex, like God's the inventor of sex. I mean, he's, it was his genius idea. He made the parts, he made them work the way they do. He made them fit the way they do. He put the nerve endings where, where he did. He made it feel the way that it does. And then, and he, and he made it bring forth life in the way that it does. It's genius, absolutely genius. And so I, I think he created sex for two reasons. One, to, to bond a husband and wife and two, to bring forth life. And if you think about the way that we think about intimacy or sex now, is we try to strip, we try to protect ourselves from the procreation and we try to protect ourselves from the bonding and just just so that we're just left with the pleasure. And I don't think we fully realize that the pleasure serves a purpose. The purpose is the bonding and the purpose is the procreating. Mm-hmm. And when you just strip away the pleasure for itself, you're left with like the 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 sugary snack that rots your teeth right like we all have to I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors here but we all have to eat healthy so that we can be healthy and if all we ate was was candy bars you know we we would be we'd be killing ourselves and i think the sexualization of our culture in ways we can't fully understand right now or don't comprehend it's killing us it's literally killing us and it's leaving us in a place where we don't know how to love each other and to pull that to us and that's what i would say is true about our, our marriage year one well year one was really like a honeymoon and a blur and just like we just had fun and went on lots of dates year two the wheels fell off because i had no idea how to love her like every relationship i had been in i date somebody till i didn't like them anymore and then we break up and then i date someone till i didn't like them anymore and then we break up or vice versa i I'd date them till they didn't like me anymore and then we break up and so this did not train me for marriage. This trained me for divorce. I had gone to a master class for divorce, right? I've, I've trained for divorce my whole life. And now I'm stuck in this covenant and I'm looking at her and I'm like, you know what? I don't know that I like her anymore. I don't know that she likes me anymore. 
what do we do? It feels like we're stuck. And, um, and that's where we had to renew our mind around something greater, something selfless and, and put to death all of those, you know, selfish ambition for lack of a better term. This is, this is gold. I know I I could ask you guys questions for a week straight. So so many questions. Part of a healthy, (laughs) (laughs) part of a healthy relationship. And I imagine you guys have had your fair share of this over 16 years of marriage. We've been married for four and I feel like had plenty of conflict, but um, (laughs) this series you did with at your church, Harris Creek, um, about conflict. Tell us about how that applies to your marriage. And it seems like the first step is reshaping conflict from like this really negative instance to a, a opportunity. Can we start there? Yes, that's absolutely right. I mean, you said it, you said a great conflict is an opportunity. And so we can't see conflict as bad and we don't want to see it as something to avoid because then we'll be peace fakers. Um, if we, if we always see it as something we have to conquer, then we'll be peace breakers. And what the, the scriptures call us to be is, is peacemakers. And it's a skill just like anything else. Okay. Just like, like tumbling or like football or like art or like anything you it's a skill that your you hairstyles yeah yeah right it's a, skill, it's a skill that you learn and that you practice and that you get better at right and so step one is just moving toward it there's there's always you know that this scene in the movie like maybe you've seen hurt locker or some movie where there's a bomb and somebody yells bomb and everybody runs. They, they, they run out of the grocery store, they run out of the building, they run from wherever they think the bomb is. And then sometimes, you know, the symphony picks up and, and the, the, the camera slows down and, and you turn to this guy and he's, he's in the, like walking in this cloud of dust and he's suited up head to toe in this gear. He looks like a SWAT guy. He's just <laughs> this is an epic. <laughs> toward the bomb. It's because he's been trained to deal with that explosive device. And that's my hope is, is we can actually learn to deal with conflict in a way that when we see it, we can identify it and, and we can be better because of it. And you know, it's, it's the number one, it's one of, uh, it's one and two number one determiners of whether a marriage will make it or not is one is, can they communicate? And two, can they resolve conflict? If somebody can resolve conflict, you're going to be okay. But, but a lot of marriage counseling that we do is with, with people who've never learned to deal with conflict. And so a lot of times the husband or wife came from a family that, that avoided conflict at all costs. Like we just didn't deal with it. We pretended like everything was okay. We were peace fakers. And another one came from a, a family where they would escalate. When there was conflict, people were yelling, people were throwing things, doors were slamming. And they, they both bring that dysfunction into the marriage and they have no idea how to deal with conflict. And so I think, you know, slowing down and and learning to deal with conflict is is paramount to having a healthy marriage. Monica, I'm curious with you guys, since your relationship started basically polar opposite from where you guys are now, how has that affected, I feel like this is a many-part question, but how does that affect your guys' conflict now? How do you keep from not going back to what you were used to when you first started dating. And then how does, we'll just start there. (laughs) I'm 
<laughs> we'll start there. And I would say only by God's kindness and grace and seeking um, his way versus our way. Because I think in our flesh and in our selfish desires, I am so prone to want to withdraw and not, not have the conflict, avoid it. Um, he's prone to escalate and... <laughs> Um, we have, there's an acronym called weenie. Have y'all heard of that? Weenie? <laughs> what is Never that? heard of it. <laughs> Everybody remembers weenie, but it's not spelled correctly. Yeah. <laughs> W-E-N-I-E. So it's wall, escalation, negative interpretation, um, invalidation, Invalidation. That's it. W E N I. That's yes. what it is. W E N I. And so we say weenie. Withdrawal, escalation, negative interpretation, and invalidation. Everyone is prone to at least yeah. one of those. And so it, what she was saying is, is she's more inclined to withdraw, and I'm more inclined to escalate. And so what will happen is I'll smother her. I'm like, hey, where are you going? Come back here. We got to talk about this. Come back here. Hey, before the sun sets on our anger, we got to talk about this. And she's like, man, I just need some space. And I think early on, I feel on, you, Monica. We've yeah. our roles are reversed there. <laughs> so, so to your question, son, early on, it's like we didn't. You when you can't identify that, it just feels like you're you're constantly. It feels like all you're doing is trying to resolve conflict when you don't know how. And I think the big yeah. difference now is is we can move toward a path of forgiveness. Like we got in an yeah. argument. Was it this week or last week? you know and just that you did a great job a much better job than i did of just coming back and saying you know to move toward the practical tips is like owning a hundred percent of your whatever percent and and starting there because in conflict we always we look across the field and and all we can see is what the other person is responsible for and the hurt that they've caused and what they've done wrong but if you're a part of the conflict you have a part in the conflict and so if i can sit down and say okay what part of this can i own and monica's much better at that than i am and so she just came back and said she was just like hey will you will you please forgive me and, and i love that question it starts with a will and it ends with a question mark. It's not a forgive me. It's not a command. It's not a I'm sorry. It's 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 a really humbling position to be in. Will you please forgive me for? And she said, you know, just when when we were walking, I reacted to something you said in a way that was was not honoring to you. And what that does is it totally disarms me because then I'm like, well, you did do that, but it was my fault. Will you please forgive me for? And I begin to think through, okay, this is my part. And now what we've done is we've, we've turned inwards and we're starting to deal with our part in the conflict rather than focusing on winning or focusing on the other person's part in the conflict. I think too, you had asked about the difference in um, before being believers and then after. And honestly, one of the biggest turning points for us and for me specifically in that was once we become believers, realizing that, okay, he has the Holy Spirit living inside of him. And that is what is changing him. Like I am not, I'm never going to change um, 
him. It is God's work in him that will. And so just trusting the Holy Spirit, even when I was so, you know, upset or frustrated or whatever it was with him, knowing that, man, the Lord is at work in him through his spirit and trusting the spirit versus um, myself or, you know, even him. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sean and I have been open about our journey with marriage counseling, and it's been really helpful for us. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small, and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationships. I agree. And therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. We've been meeting with the therapist individually and as a couple, and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling, which is hard to do when you're busy with kids. BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. The the concept of owning the hundred percent of whatever percent you're responsible for, there's a, I, f- I feel like a lot that goes into that, a lot of practice that you need to develop the humility and the self awareness and the the willingness I guess to to like have that conversation and to start bridging the gap. But Monica, I would love to, if you could talk about we just had a birthday party for our one year old have one kid. I know you guys have three. And one thing that I, I feel like we have, um, struggled with in our marriage is the energy and time that you have to resolve the conflict, especially for some of these, like there's some issues that don't get resolved in five, 10 minutes. Like sometimes it takes two hours of gosh, like tears. And how, how do you resolve conflict when there is such a shortage of these resources? Um, a shortage of resources or time? Time. Well, time, time and energy. Yes. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, one, we believe that it's healthy to, um, have conflict in front of your kids and show them what that looks like, um, to have healthy conflict. Um, and so we for sure have had moments where, you know, the kids, the kids are there and they're getting to learn from that and see that. And then there have been other times where, you know, we will slip away for a moment. And with young kids, it's hard. It's like, okay, you know, um, coming back to a time of, um, nap time, you know, Hey, let's, let's revisit this at nap time or once the kids go down the bed. Um, and so I think it's important you can totally um, stop conflict and revisit it at a different time. But just it's always been super helpful for us to make sure that we know when that time is that we're going to revisit because a lot of times it will just mm. get swept under the rug. Or... The one thing I would add there, Andrew, is just this. You just have to prioritize it. Right. Yeah. And so every day we eat, um, a lot of times you know, people will, will work out. And they'll prioritize different things, even in the midst of the crazy, right? Even when you, you know, you, you have a, a, a baby, baby who's not sleeping yeah. and you feel we're like you're, your whole life, yeah, we're sick, yeah. right? Um, 
And so you, you, we have to say, hey, this is a priority. Ephesians 4 says, be diligent and preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So work hard at it. Matthew 5 says that if, if we go to, to worship and we realize somebody has something against us, we need to, to, to not worship, run and be reconciled to them. Matthew 18 says if, if, you, if you sin against someone, go to them. The, what I keep seeing in the scripture is this real sense of urgency. And so we know any, anybody who's been in a relationship, whether they're dating or married, you know that when, when that relationship is fractured, something just feels off. Yeah. And so you just to look at each other and say, Hey, it is a priority to me to resolve this. I don't want to, I don't want to move us further away. I want to move us closer together. And so, and to determine a time to say, Hey, here's when we're going to do that. I'm going to put, you know, our, our baby down for a nap at three. And so can you make sure you're here at three fifteen and we can sit down and, and have this conversation? The problem with that is, is when we have that moment of peace and quiet and rest it's like, okay, I don't want to screw that up with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like when you go on a date, you know, you finally get a date and you're at that restaurant and you love it and everything's right. It's like, man, the last thing I want to do is throw this date in the, in the garbage by bringing up that hurt from Tuesday. But it's important. And, uh, and, and just know that we're running a marathon. Uh, especially in marriage. It's like, okay, we're running a marathon. We're in this for the, for the decades. And so, you know, one ruined date is, is not, it's going to be okay. And I think also a lot of times on the back side of conflict, you're healthier, right? You, you feel closer. I mean, sometimes you, you get to, to make up in even physical ways, which is fun. And so just right just to, to work toward being closer is, is a great thing. I think too, to really use that, that time in between, okay, if we're having this conflict, we're not able to finish it right now, revisiting it later. I think so often I am very prone to, to, you know, have, get my case in my head of like, okay, what all has he done that, you know, I, and how can I get my defense, I guess. And instead of doing that, like really to ask the Lord, okay, Lord, show me any wicked way in me, you know, and, and help me to, to turn from that, help me to confess it, help me to repent from it. And so let's go using that time. That's really important because I, you know, the, the, the specific example in Matthew 18, they're on their way to court. And when you're on your way to court, you're thinking about winning, like, Hey, how do I win? And he says, don't, don't think about winning. Think about making it right with your brother or sister. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think the, the thoughts that you feed take you places mm-hmm. and the thoughts that you feed grow. And so if you feed thoughts of anger, you're just going to get more angry and more angry and more angry. But if you, if you feed thoughts of peace, if you seek to own your part, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you grow to a place where you're repentant. That's re- that's going to change the dynamic of the relationship, and I think that's a huge thing that couples do in the air. Is when they have that space, they say, "Okay, well, we can't talk about this till eight p.m. tonight." So between mm-hmm. you know two eight p.m., all I'm going to do is just grow really angry at you mm-hmm. and and hate you in my heart. And so then when eight p.m. comes, it's it looks like a UFC match. That's not helping. <laughs> you know? So your your series made me pause and put a lot of thought into conflict. And so there's a couple other things that I came across that were helpful to me. One of them is from a book called 30 Lessons on Living. Um, and he t- this author sits down with people 65 years or older and gets like their life lessons. And one of the biggest things that uh, I took from that was 
the sooner you can resolve conflict, the better. And to your point of the, having that sense of urgency, like the, I feel like the side effect of not resolving something quickly to your point of, you know, the UFC match is, you know, maybe Sean goes and talks to her friends about, gosh, I can't believe Andrew just did this. And then, you know, her little group says, I can't believe he did that either. And like, you should, you, you should do this to retaliate. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there are side effects to not getting the issue resolved quickly. And the second thing is that I thought was really helpful is, uh, is knowing that at the end of this in our marriage, we're still going to be married. And that's our, that is our ending point. Right. And so I feel like from my perspective, that just helps you get, it's so easy to have the bleak perspective of, oh my gosh, this is so hard. She's, you know, Sean's really annoying me and whatever. But if at the end of this, I know that we're still going to be married, like it, it gets you out of that mental funk, I guess. But, um, I think you had a question. Um, I just, I wrote down a question that I was curious about, which is what do you think is like, what do you think the greatest mistake couples make in conflict? Like, what do you think is the greatest mistake they make? Yeah. I would say trying to win, you know, and seeing it as an opportunity to try. Monica said something earlier that I don't want to blow past um, because it's been transformational in our marriage. And like, we have a hard marriage. Okay. And so like, we are opposite. I'm, I'm, you know, if you are any grand people, like I'm, I'm a seven, she's a two. I'm the, I'm the most extreme extrovert you've ever met. She's the most extreme introvert <laughs> you've ever met. And so it's just like all of, I love to go and do, she loves to stay at home. And, and so we work hard and, um, and I would say, you know, today, we and not not to boast, but just to, in the in the Lord and what He's done, I, I think we have the best marriage of of anyone that I know close, and that's that's the work that He's done. And there was this one thing, this one puzzle piece that fell into place that changed everything for us. And I call it um, pursuing unity in disagreement. And so, I kind of walk through this. She she hinted toward it earlier, but it's just like if before it. She would come to me and say something. This is just a hypothetical example. She would say, Hey, I think I want a new car. And I would just, I would say a new car. Like, we're not going to do that. We can't do that. And what she would hear is you're so stupid. What do you, what do you think? Like, really? You And, and just kind of through that negative interpret lens and through my escalation, she would just hear that in the worst light ever. And I think coming to this place where, and so when I would say that, Hey, we're not going to, you don't need a new car. Then she would begin to feed these thoughts of like, well, gosh, does he not love me? Like, why can't, I don't understand. Like, I don't, why can't I have a new car? And, and then she would just want that more. And then I would just say, and it was like, we were playing tug of war with the rope, you know, like I've got her side of the rope. She's got a side of the rope and we're just pulling, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And, and we're stuck and we, it's like, we're stuck in this fight and we can't get out. And I think pursuing unity in that disagreement looks like this. Her saying, hey, I'd really like a new car. And me feeling permission to get excited about that. And I think what I think what people do in relationships is they're they're a lot of times you're trying to parent your spouse mm -hmm. and you're you're trying to, well, I don't want to get let her heart get too far around that, you know. And so it's just like I want to shut this down, get this in the bud before it goes too far down the road. 
But it's like, it's okay if she says, hey, I'd really like a new car. But, oh my goodness, what kind of car do you want? She's like, well, I'd really like a new Suburban. Oh man, those new Suburbans, those are sweet, man. Like what what color? Well, I, I like black. Oh yes, what, what color interior? Well, I was thinking, you know, like kind of a, uh, you know, tan leather. Oh, that's so fun because Texas, it gets hot and you're going to look like CIA driving around that. And like, listen, hey, I don't know. But let me look into it and, and just just knowing that she's an adult and that especially if you're talking with someone who's a Christian, that she has the Holy spirit, that I don't have to correct all of these things that I can get emotionally excited with her in that. And then if I go, and then I can even go do research and say, Hey, did you know that a new suburban is, you know, 65,000 to $85,000. And, and I don't think we have that in the budget, but what, and she may go, Oh my goodness, I had no idea they were that much. Right. I'm, I'm, Oh, I don't want that. Or, or she might hear that and say, well, too bad. That's what I want. <laughs> and then I can kind of say, well, I don't, I'm, I'm in a place where I don't think that's a wise decision for us, but if you think it is, we should probably bring some other people into this, into this argument or this discussion, this difference and let them speak wisdom into it. And then we, we do what I call widen the circle and bring other other influences, other voices of wisdom. And for us, we have a small group or a community group that serves that purpose in our life. And, um, and so what happens in that process is we actually grow closer together, even though we're disagreeing. Rather than rather than you know play the tug of war, pull to our side of the rope, she pulls her side of the rope. It's like I can come to her side, I can get excited about it, and I can apply it. And I can say, hey, let's let's look into that. I'm not afraid of you feeling that way. Jeez. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> That's really good. I feel like that you, you explained really really well a miscommunication that happens a lot in relationships. Because you, like you said, you have two different people who are interested in different things that, like you said, try to parent one another instead of celebrating one another for their hobbies and their passions and what they think and working through it farther down the road rather than killing the thoughts right when, you know, someone brings it to you, which is cool. I would love for you guys to talk. We experience... external expectations to a certain degree. But the idea of being a pastor and growing up in a a pastor home seems so daunting to me because the expectations for you, Monica, of, you know, I I don't know what they are fully, but I imagine that there's some unique challenges that come with your roles in your community. (laughs) I laugh because um, I like I I don't know if it's because I didn't grow up in a pastor home. He wasn't a pastor when we got married. Um, but I think I think for us, it's like we just want to be who God calls us to be. And so I I really don't feel any pressure or expectation to be anyone that God doesn't call me to be. And so I um like, like he said, we are, we are gifted very differently. And so he, you know, the Lord has gifted him just crazily to, to lead a church, to speak. Um, and with so much wisdom, whereas I'm like, okay, give me, 
you know, my three kids in, in our home and I'll, I'll, I love cleaning and doing laundry and, you know, all those things. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think that just the bottom line of, I don't know if there is a pressure and we try to make it very clear to our kids. Hey, we don't want you to be anyone who God doesn't want you to be. We don't want you to put on a show. We don't want like, you know, Jonathan's very open of like, Hey, you're going to see our kids throw a fit or, you know, when they were younger or, um, we're just done with religious games, man. Like we don't like, I just, I kind of got to this place where, I mean, I was raised in the church, but as you recall that story 19 years ago, being at a club, someone invited me and went hungover. So I think our story is so unconventional, Mm non-traditional that it's just like, man, I want to, I want to love people and teach the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so we are at this really healthy church in Dallas called Watermark and um, really just grew there like crazy. They invested in our marriage. They invested in us. I, that, that church I went hung over to, I ended up going on staff with, ended up becoming the pastor of. And so that just kind of this crazy journey. And then since the Lord calling us to this 145 year old Baptist church in Waco and uh, her parents were here, you know, I grew up in a small town and the Lord just kind of grew our hearts for these people, for the people of Waco. And, and we wanted to become one of them. And so we moved here. And so the first thing I did was I brought my family on stage and said, hey, this is my family. I said, here's what you need to know. My kids are not going to perform for you. They're going to be normal kids. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes out loud. I'm not going to be concerned about what you think about me because of the way they act. Uh, we're going to raise them in the ways that that God calls us to. And I was like, this is my wife. And, and so we're different. We have different gifts. They're complementary. Um, she, she's not going to meet your expectations. Like if you want her speaking on Sunday, that's, that's not her thing. That's not what she loves to do, feels called to do. That's not where her gifts lie. And so we're, we, what I know about me and our family right now is we are going to be an epic disappointment to you at times. And so let's just all be okay with that right now and trust even in the back to the theme of conflict that when I disappoint you, you'll keep short accounts with me. I think that word is really important on this discussion, short accounts, mm-hmm. right? Short accounts that we don't harbor bitterness, but that we go to somebody and we communicate, Hey, I feel hurt by you. And that's just what I ask for the body. And that's what I ask from anyone in my life. Like if I offend you, mm-hmm. let me know, give me an opportunity to make that mm-hmm. right. Please don't sit on it, you know? And so I don't know that there are additional expectations on her and, and unfortunately, I know that's rare. <laughs> you know, I know that's yeah. not normal. Are you looking for a short, educational, and entertaining podcast your kids can listen to while you cook dinner, fold laundry, or just need a few minutes to yourself? Then check out Mysteries About True Histories by Starglow Media. It's so, so cute. I listened to a few episodes, and when it was over, I was like, dang, that was really fun. It's made by the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and the Netflix show, Brainchild. So these people know what they're doing. As a little background info, every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning really cool. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. So it's perfect for kids ages six and up. There's a new episode every Thursday, each filled with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I was I was going to say, I think everything you just said is a really unfortunately rare thing, but beautiful thing. 
Andrew and I talk about this a lot with churches and being Christians. I feel like there's a lot of um, unfair expectations and pressures put on Christians to be perfect Mm -hmm. when that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about the forgiveness side of it. And I think it's, it's very powerful what you did with your family on stage and just kind of setting the precedent of just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're like we're perfect. We're not supposed to be. It's this relationship of forgiveness that we're going to be working through, which I think is incredible. Savior in Jesus. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't um, exempt us from the pursuit of holiness. Like I want to pursue holiness. I want God to deal with the parts of my life that are not like Jesus. Uh, but, but man, I, I'm far from perfect. I just have a perfect savior. Mm. I think that you mentioned it, but I think that is key too. It's like, um, it's just having an openness and authenticity too, where you allow people to speak into your life. And so there's not necessarily a pressure that you feel, but it's like, man, if you have an expectation for me, tell me, like, maybe it's, maybe it's something I need to be doing or, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. can we talk about some tools or activities, um, or habits that, young people in relationships can practice or arm themselves with as they're looking towards having a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship in general. I know you guys do premarital premarital counseling. And for Sean and I, that was one of the (laughs) most valuable things that we've ever done just because I feel like it set a really solid foundation for us to, to have healthy conflict. And we've certainly had unhealthy conflict too, but like the understanding that we were able to gain, uh, about each other through that process. And I would love to hear if you have any other tools like that. Yeah. I think if, you know, they're, they're all things we've touched on and we can kind of, I can kind of put them in summary form. And so, uh, that, that I hope will be helpful to listeners. So one is just identifying your, your family of origin, right? The, the things that were good and the things that were not good things that were of Christ, things that were not, because we just think like the way that we fold towels is, is the right way to fold towels because that's their mama fold towels. And, and, uh, and then somebody else is like, that's not the way you fold the towels. And it's like, gosh, I had no idea there was even another way. And yeah, toilet paper roll, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And so the, that's especially <laughs> true, uh, especially true is just like, Hey, this is the way I thought people communicated and to go back and say, okay, what is healthy and what is not healthy? The way to do that is that acronym weenie. So am I in, more inclined to withdraw? Am I more inclined to escalate? Am I more inclined to negatively interpret or am I more inclined to invalidate? And so negatively interpret is where you say, I hope you have a good day. And I hear, I'm glad you're leaving. You know, I'm like, wow. <laughs> what? Uh, invalidate is, is, is when she says, Hey, you hurt me when, um, when you said that. And I say, well, I'm sorry, you're so sensitive. Right. Those are that's an invalidation. And so to to understand, hey, these are things that I'm, I'm most inclined to do. And if you don't know, just ask your partner. Right. Because they'll be able to tell you, oh, yeah, you, that's that's the one that you do. Secondly, I think just a commitment to keep short accounts like, hey, to look at your, your spouse or your, your partner and to say, I promise that I'm not going to uh, have conversations in my head. As it relates to, I'm not going to plan, com- I'm not going to plan arguments. I'm not going to play chess in my, in my head as it relates to this hurt, that when I feel hurt, I'm going to come to you. Thirdly, I would say overlook a small offense. Uh, 
And so the scripture calls us to overlook a small offense. And so it's, it's when, when I'm trying to audit, do I feel hurt? If, uh, if it's something that I don't think is sinful and it may be my issue, then I'm going to overlook it. We don't need to spend time on that. I'm going to pray and, and move on and not, and take thoughts of that captive. And people say, well, how do I know if I can overlook a small offense or not? And I just would say, if it keeps continuing to come up, then you can't overlook it. It's kind of like when you eat, you know, bad Mexican food and you, you keep feeling that in your stomach, right? It, it's, it's like, okay, I can't overlook this. It's staying with me. Um, I need to address it. And so then when you, when you go to address the hurt, keep in mind that your, your mission, your goal is, is to take you to, to unity, to, to like grow you closer together, not to fight, not to win, not to escalate, but you want to look at the conversation through the lens of a path of reconciliation and restoration. So as I'm having this conversation, I'm trying to move us toward a place of peace. And, and that takes some intentionality and some planning and some thoughtfulness. And most people, like we just are so given to our emotions that, that we're not thinking along those lines. And then, and then lastly, at least last thing in my head right now is, is just the words, will you please forgive me and try to the practice of, and it's going to feel awkward at first. It's going to feel like a sweater that doesn't fit at first, but um, I think you'll find power in it that if you move to this place where you both say, Hey, will you please forgive me for, and list out the hurts that you think you committed and then give that other person the opportunity to say, will you please forgive me for, and have them list out those hurts that takes you to a, a really powerful place of peace. Can you guys come lead a church in Nashville? Next. You guys have incredibly powerful, just wisdom that I think everybody needs more of. Um, our time is coming to an end, which is really unfortunate. I want to talk to you guys forever. Uh, we do this fun little question at the end. Um, I think I think this will be fun. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. No promises. No promises. No but. promises. Um, so last questions, last three questions. One of you has to choose to go first without knowing that knowing the question. Monica's going first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Monica. Within your relationship, what is your biggest current pet peeve with Jonathan? Wait, what is my biggest wet pet, pet peeve? Oh, just pet peeve. It sounded like a nervous giggle there. Yeah. Jonathan. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. She, it's I'm just, like, she's going to have a hard time. It depends on the day. I know. My biggest decisions. So um, that's one. But the um, it depends on the day. I would say in the last 24 hours, it's probably that I've picked up 10 pairs of shoes that literally yeah. have only been, like, have come out in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Jonathan was your current pet peeve with Monica. Um, um, <laughs> they've like told each other. She, uh, this has like honestly been one of our single biggest points of conflict, which is, which is probably like round two podcast. But um, uh, it is her hair. Uh, like, She'll she'll poof her hair in a way that I just don't care for personally. What? 
it takes so much time and and so then it's like it's like offensive to me because i'm like you're doing this thing that i don't like <laughs> and i don't understand and so that's it's i know like that sounds so my clip in it where there's oh, oh, no, oh i think it looks great monica it sounds like, <laughs> uh, that's been like a, a a point of contention and then uh yeah, the, she like loves our dog so much. Yeah. I think I have like jealousy <laughs> over the dog. Oh, for sure. Andrew has the same thing with our dog. Yep. Um, okay, part two of the question though. Jonathan, you have to go first this time. Okay. Is what do you love the most about Monica? She's literally, li- I mean, like it's just to follow up literally with the most. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I believe it with all my heart the most nurturing, caring, kind person. Like I tell people when they meet her, I'm like, hey, that's who she is. Like, that's really who she is. Like, that's not a front, that's not an act. Like, that's really who she is. And um, like my kids, our kids have no idea. I think actually they do have an idea of how blessed they are to have her as their mom. Cause she just, I mean, she writes notes in their lunchbox every day with Bible verses and just, Wow, so deeply, and it's and it's who she is, you know. She's just a super kind person. And then Monica, what do you love the most about Jonathan? Um, okay, sorry, I I feel like I'm super emotional today. Very so. <laughs> Um, the first thing that like just popped in my mind was honestly just his um the way that he loves and pursues and seeks the lord with all of his heart mind soul and strength and um truly desires just to live it out faithfully and without god's word wow Mm. we're so thankful you guys took the time to join us today and share so much uh wisdom for those listening that want to learn more about uh jp and monica we'll link a lot of things including the harris creek church podcast where you can find all of the conflict series jp also does another podcast called uh becoming something that we'll link we'll also do a social media and uh this was this was really really fun so yeah. thank you guys again yeah, thank y'all for having us on thanks for the way you thank you guys all you yeah. do you guys are sweet and so man, I, we, yeah. we really would would love to hang out in nashville sometimes so yeah. we'll, we'll let you know when we're there anytime Please. we would love that all right real quick for all of those listening out there we don't ask for a lot of favors i don't think babe do we no But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. 
Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.